question for you. Do you wish to be baptised? Uh, yes, I do. That's a relief. Because <laughs> that's why we've come. That's good. Okay. Faith is the gift of God to his people. In baptism, the Lord is adding to our number those whom he is calling. People of God, will you welcome Isaac and uphold him in his new life in Christ? With the help of God, we will. In baptism, God calls us out of darkness into his marvellous light. To follow Christ means dying to sin and rising to new life with him. Therefore, I ask Isaac, do you reject the devil and all rebellion against God? I reject them. Do you renounce the deceit and corruption of evil? I renounce them. Do you repent of the sins that separate us from God and neighbour? I repent them. Do you turn to Christ as Saviour? I turn to Christ. Do you submit to Christ as Lord? I submit to Christ. Do you come to Christ, the way, the truth, and the life? I come to Christ. Brothers and sisters, I ask you to profess together with Isaac the faith of the church. Let's stand as we do this together. Do you believe and trust in God the Father? I believe in God the Father, Almighty Great, Creator of heaven and earth. Do you believe and trust in his Son, Jesus Christ? I believe in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died and was buried. He descended into heaven, and he is seated at the right hand of the Father, and he will come to judge the living and the dead. Do you believe and trust in the Holy Spirit? I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. Please be seated. I'm going to um, ask Isaac another question. Isaac, is this your faith? This is my faith. Good. And we'd like you now to tell us your faith story. How did you come to that point where you put your trust in Jesus? Well, as most of you know, I grew up in a Christian household and have been coming to this church since I can remember. So I've always been familiar with the principle of church, and that's thanks to my parents, mum and dad. Um, being in this church week in, week out, I've learned a lot of stories and teachings whilst in junior church. I grasped the knowledge of Jesus, God and the Holy Spirit and the basic concepts that come with that. Um, a key part of my Christian journey was Easter 2008. I remember a specific moment. Um, me and my mum stayed home on Good Friday. Instead of going to church, we spoke about the meaning of Jesus and how he died to save my sins. We said a few prayers and then that was effectively me consciously accepting Jesus into my life. And for that time, as an eight-year-old, that was pretty good with that. I was happy with that. Living in a Christian family, and by that I mean you guys, my Christian uh, church family, I've always had this loving support and encouragement for, uh, for Jesus, and for that I thank you. I also have my actual family that have supported me and pushed me to Jesus, and I've got my friends, those in church and those out of church. So it's fair to say that I've got a broad network of support in deepening my understanding for God. And through this, I've always known that God's with me 
Although at the time, I'm not really sure what that un what, whether I understood that at, emotionally at a young age. As I got older, I realized there's a difference between knowing about Jesus and Christianity and actually believing in it and putting my faith in him. And this has been growing up my biggest barrier. I grew dubious of fully putting my faith in God and all that that encompasses. At 13 or 14, I hit, I hit a flat line. I knew I needed, I knew all that I needed to know about God to love him, but emotionally I couldn't connect. I, um, I had hit this ceiling kind of thing. I was trying to think of a way to describe it, and I kind of picture it as a kind of bubble. One of those large round bubbles that you could fit a whole person in. And uh, I felt I was always on the outside of this bubble, where I could see what was going in, going on inside of it, which is Jesus there with the others, and they're all having a great time. But there's this thin layer separating me from it all, this thin silvery barrier. Inside, the bubble looks joyous and loving and fun, but I can't hear the laughter. It, it's all on mute. There, I'm only there, but on the outside. I can't tap into the bubble and join in, almost numb to the excitement of it all. But I'm there on the outside, and that's kind of my visual way of saying how my relationship with Jesus was. I knew it all, and I could see it, but I couldn't get into the bubble. Over the following years up to right now, I've been working on allowing myself to be open to Jesus and seeing what he can do in my life. Going on Christian holidays like Greenbelt and Cape and Ray have massively helped me on this journey, as it put me with a group of people like myself where I could clearly see the work of the Lord in them. It also has given me a chance to hear a lot of people's testimonies from different backgrounds and cultures. And I found that in most testimonies, there's a common element that once God has entered their lives, they feel this burden, sometimes a burden that they didn't know they have, but they felt this burden lift off, lift off them over the short period after they've been baptized. And I'm pretty sure this, this burden being taken off is the Holy Spirit come in and joining them on their path. No longer hiding in the shadows, but actively working through them. And over this time, I feel that I've come to understand that there is an enormous difference between attending church every week and knowing about Jesus to actually putting my trust and faith in him and accepting him as my saviour. This is what I can depend upon at all times. And as the song goes, in Christ alone, my hope is found. He is my light, my strength and my song. Last Sunday... Uh, Dave said in his sermon that as Christians, we have to learn and serve in order to grow in our faith. It's a bit like our physical bodies. We need both food and exercise. If we just eat, we get overweight and sluggish. We need to eat and exercise. Much like in Christian life, those who focus on just learning, by reading the Bible, listening to sermons, won't really mature in their faith. Yet those who spend their time serving without any teaching become vulnerable to drifting away. The combination of the two builds us up and encourages us to grow in Christ. This really struck a chord with me last week, and I feel that I've done a lot of learning in my childhood, listening and studying, be it through Pathfinders or Rooted or Cape Marie or from the Bible itself. But I know that I've not done a lot of serving, at least not in the way I feel that I could. I mean, I know I do quite a lot in church with the sound desk and easy worship and the church website and things, but that's all behind the scenes kind of serving. And to you guys, my church family. And I know that you've always supported me, particularly through exams and things, and now this is my way of supporting the church back. But I know that my serving can reach further than this, further than just this building and just you guys. I mean, you're already here. Um, 
I feel that um, I can serve in a way to bring people into the church and that that is more of a valuable victory in a way. Not to take anything away from you. And I'm not saying that I want to stop helping out at church because <laughs> that wouldn't be appreciated. But um, <laughs> I also feel that today is a major step into me looking outwards and trying to show my faith in all aspects of my life, not just on Sundays. Be it through college during the week or hockey on Saturdays. I know that Jesus can use me in my daily life. But first, I have to accept him into my life, truly. And this journey with him is ongoing and always will be. I mean, some days me and Jesus will be good. Some days we won't. But that's just the, I think that's the way of the walk of a Christian, to my understanding of it. Living life and investing into Jesus, sharing your troubles and triumphs, hand in hand with him. That's my story, I think. Wow, that's expressing a lot. Um, you can find the reading on page 1175 in your church Bibles. And it's Ephesians chapter 4, reading from verse 1. So it's page 1175, Ephesians chapter 4. As a prisoner for the Lord, then, I urge you to live a life worthy of the calling you have received. Be completely humble and gentle. Be patient, bearing with one another in love. Make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. There is one body and one Spirit, just as you were called to one hope when you were called. One Lord, one faith, one baptism. One God and Father of all, who is over all and through all and in all. But to each one of us, grace has been given as Christ apportioned it. This is why it says, when he ascended on high, he took many captives and gave gifts to his people. What does he ascended mean, except that he also descended to the lower earthly regions? He who descended is the very one who ascended higher than all the heavens, in order to fill the whole universe. So Christ himself gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors and teachers to equip his people for works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up until we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. Then we will no longer be infants, tossed back and forth by the waves, and blown here and there by every wind of teaching and by the cunning and craftiness of people in their deceitful scheming. Instead, speaking the truth in love, we will grow to become in every respect the mature body of him who is the head, that is Christ. From him the whole body, joined and held together by every supporting ligament, grows and builds itself up in love as each part does its work. This is the word of the Lord. As we were in the back hall, um, one of the members of our church family, I had a picture which um, I want to share with Isaac. It's a picture of a, a raised walkway. I can't see Isaac. Where is he? Who's there? Here's mum and dad. Picture of a raised walkway. On one side, there were beautiful golden things. On the other side, it was very dark. Um, and the message really is, uh, the walkway is secure. It doesn't always look like it is, but keep following Jesus. That's an encouraging word for you, Isaac. But as we turn to look at God's word together, let's just pray together. Lord, thank you for this morning, and thank you for your presence with us by your spirit. Please, Lord, speak to us now through your word, we pray in Jesus' name. 
Amen. Just get rid of my shoes. Doesn't look very good, does it? <laughs> okay. Isaac shared very movingly with us uh, his faith journey. And I want us just for a few moments to think about our own faith journeys. And I'll ask a question. Have you ever thought about um, your faith journey being a little bit like um, a train journey? Just imagine if you would, just for a few moments, there's a picture of it here, being on a railway platform, a busy railway platform. The train's about to leave and the platform is busy and it's congested. In fact, there are some people standing outside. They're just wondering whether they should get a ticket and board the train. There are others that are standing on the platform with luggage. They're going to have to put their baggage down and run to catch the train. And there are others that are saying goodbye to those they love, and they seem to be hesitating. But there are others who are standing, clutching their ticket in their hands. They know where they're going, and they know who they're traveling with. But, you know, there are some on the train who just want to get off. I wonder where you are this morning. When it comes to faith, are you enjoying the wonderful journey that God calls us to, to know and to enjoy God forever through his son Jesus? Or are you wondering, is it really true? And what would it cost if I was to go on that journey? Because destination does really matter. Isaac's story reminded us um, where the journey of faith starts, and he told us in a very moving way how, as an eight-year-old, just as a young child, when he heard the story of Easter, he realized that, that the death of Jesus was for him. He realized that Jesus died for all the wrong things that he'd done, even as an eight-year-old, and he received the new life that Jesus gives when we come to him. And he then had that future vision that one day he will meet Jesus face to face. Destination matters for the Christian. And on our Sunday mornings at the moment, we're looking at um, Ephesians chapter 4. And Ephesians is a letter that was written to a church, a small church that met in the first century in a place called Ephesus, which is in modern day Turkey. And um, the, the writer was the guy called Apostle Paul, and he was writing instructions, encouragement to, to, the, to the small group of Christians that met in Ephesus. And we believe that those instructions are just as valid for us today as they were all those years ago. So we're kind of using them as a bit of a health check, as a bit of a spiritual MOT to see how we're doing as a church. Um, So we're thinking um, about, let's start with verse 13. I'll read verse 13. It reminds us that we've got a destination that we're heading, heading towards, and we need to keep going. It says, until we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. So there's so much in this verse, but I just want to pick out two things. There's one thing which we aspire for together as Christians, and there's some things that we work to work towards individually. We are working together towards unity in our faith. And individually, we're aspiring to become more like Christ. And of course, those things are very much connected together. They go hand in hand. 
And it's because we're on a journey that Paul warns us of the perils ahead. In verse 14, he looks forward to the time when we will finally reach our destination and we will be with Jesus. But, and he says, then we will no longer be infants, tossed back and forth by the waves, blown here and there by every wind of teaching and by the cunning and craftiness of people in their deceitful scheming. So the implication is that right now we're prone to being blown off course and led astray. I wonder if this summer you had a chance to go uh, down to the coast and sit on the beach. I love sitting on the beach, but I always get a little bit nervous when I'm sitting on a beach and I'm looking at young children playing um, along by the edge of the water, particularly if they've got an inflatable boat or something like that. And I look across and I see their parents who are usually asleep or reading a novel or distracted, and suddenly I become their parent because I'm watching them, making sure they're safe, and I can't relax. <laughs> Inflatable dinghies probably weren't around in Apostle Paul's day, but they perfectly illustrate what he's describing here. They're tossed about by the waves, they're blown around, so it's easy for them to go off course. And so the Apostle Paul is painting a picture for us of just how vulnerable we can become if we succumb to every new idea that comes on the scene. We are being warned of being blown off course by false teaching and by people who want to manipulate us. We need to hold to the foundational teachings in the Bible. We need to be wary of those who reinterpret scripture because it doesn't quite fit with modern day values. And Paul has got a bit more advice for us as well. He tells us for us to reach maturity and unity, we need both truth and love. And it's this that we consider next. I wonder has anyone ever said to you, I need to speak the truth to you in love. And as you hear those words, you're probably flinching inwardly. You brace yourself as you prepare for some painful home truths. Sadly, it can be an excuse for some very painful, ill-thought words that can be delivered by one Christian to another. But the phrase, speaking the truth in love, is a much misunderstood and misused concept. And yet Paul identifies it as a way in which we can help one another to grow in our faith to reach maturity and unity that we aspire to. So what does the phrase really mean? Let's read verse 15 again. Instead, speaking the truth in love, we will grow to become in every respect the mature body of him who is the head, that is Christ. So Paul is calling for a balance between truth and love. Some of you may have heard of the writer and preacher John Stott, and he said this about this verse. He says, truth becomes hard if it isn't softened by love. And love becomes soft if it's not strengthened by truth. So Paul is telling us to hold these two things together. Now, the words speak the truth in love may refer to us having to receive a rebuke from somebody. Or it may refer to teaching or preaching. Or it just might refer to the everyday conversations we have with each other as Christians. Over these last few weeks, I've been visiting the um, growth groups and I've been really encouraged as I've seen groups of Christians meeting in the week in somebody's home, opening a bi the Bible together, reading a passage, and then talking about what does it mean? How does it apply to our lives? And I think that is also speaking the truth in love as we gently encourage each other, challenge each other, explain God's word to one another. And we need God's spirit to help us to do that because he's a spirit of truth. And the first fruit of the spirit is love so may we be used by one another to help each other mature 
in every respect in Christ. Finally, we see that bodybuilding matters. I'm not talking about going to the gym here, obviously. Verse 16, and, and earlier on we were talking about being on a railway platform as an, an analogy of our faith journeys. And do you remember I said at the end that some people on the train might want to get off? Of course, referring to the fact that some people stop coming to church or just seem to lose their faith. And one of the biggest reasons why people, in my experience anyway, stop going to church is because of relationship breakdowns. Very often, Christians get hurt by other Christians. We can all say careless things that can cause hurt to one another. And most churches have a history where people have left because of something that's been said or not said. And so it's interesting that Paul talks about the church being like a body. Let's read verse 16. He says, From him the whole body, joined and held together by every supporting ligament, grows and builds itself up in love as each part does its work. So Jesus is the head of the body, and we know it's the head that controls movement and function of our physical bodies. And it's the same in, in the church. Jesus is our head. But every part of the body, every part of the church, has a part to play to make the body function and grow. And we know that the human body, if it's injured, it has, um, God has built in this remarkable way in which, a remarkable capacity for the body to heal itself. And, and God has designed the church to be a body where he can bring his healing. God has given us those gifts to actually use within our church family to help healing come, to build one another up as every supporting ligament has an important function. I wonder, are you using those gifts that God has given you? I, as I said earlier, we've only recently joined the church here and before that we were in a church in Oldham and there's one lady in, in the church um, and um, she told me her story. Um, the church over previous years had experienced lots of growth and, and blessing and then a new vicar came which is always trouble isn't it and uh, this particular vicar did things differently and she just didn't like it she didn't like the way he did things she didn't like the way he preached didn't like the way he taught and she was disappointed and she was angry and some people said some hurtful things to her so she thought it was just easier just to stay away from church but then a Christian friend phoned her up about a year later and invited her to come back to church. And she told her friend, there's no point in me coming back to church because God isn't there. But then the friend spoke the truth to her in love. She said, do you remember those words in the Bible where it says where two or three are gathered in my name, I am in the midst? Well, she couldn't argue with that because she believed in the Bible. So she decided she'd better go back. She began to realize that part of the problem was her own attitude. Yes, people had said hurtful things to her, her attitude also needed to be looked at as well. She needed to repent of some of the things, the ways in which she'd reacted. And slowly, healing came. Now this lady's a preacher and a leader in the church. She's actually got a life-limiting um, condition, and she probably won't live very much longer, but she's burning herself out for Jesus. She runs a food bank. She runs a coffee morning. She preaches. Amazing lady. How sad if she never came back. How wonderful that she did come back. Our pain can be very real, but isolating ourselves from other Christians can never help us. Because God has designed us to be a body where each part is interconnected, where we can experience his healing, where we can hear the truth in love, where we can grow in our faith and love as each part does its work. 
So let's commit ourselves to learning and serving our God and one another. Let's just end by just praying together. Father, we thank you that you are a God, the God of the second chance. We've been thinking about that in the evenings as we thought about the story of Jonah, how you give us a second chance. I pray for anyone this morning who does feel injured or hurt in any way through what's being said or done to them. Pray, Lord, that they might know your healing in their life. They might know your arms are wide open to welcome them. And help us as a church family to be a body that cares for one another, that builds one another up, and that each one of us may commit ourselves to meeting regularly on Sundays and perhaps even during the week if we can, to encourage each other to grow in our faith. Lord, we believe that you want to do new things among us. And Lord, we need to be right with you. We need to be prepared. We need to be a body that's a welcoming place for new people coming in. Lord, we come with expectant hearts for all that you have for us. And help us, Lord, to be able to point people to Jesus and to live for Jesus. Amen.